Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. That's Ryan. No Matt this week, so we called in a pinch hitter. We'll get to him in a second. Another priceless episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Ryan, uh, it's going to be a fun show. Episode 606. We're going to keep Dynasty weird. That's going to be awesome. We also have a rookie report to get to. Uh, first, though, how you doing, dude? Yeah, doing well. Glad to be back on. Missed you guys last week uh and yeah it feels like uh you know it feels like a transition point you and i talked about this a little bit this weekend i mean we've been in dynasty we're always in dynasty you know mindset right but uh it it if you were uh if you were doubting that at all it's certainly here with the uh with the conclusion of the super bowl so uh yeah we're gonna keep talking about these rookies and uh, we've got our buddy from DLF, John Arrington, here with us. So uh, excited to talk to him. Yeah, let's bring him in right now, John. The the Super Bowl is in the past, so it's dynasty season. What's your mind? What's going through your mind right now? Thank you for having me on, guys. Uh, you know, what's going through my mind right now is basically like you said. You know, uh, obviously I've already rolled over my leagues, but now you know, am I adding any new leagues? We're going to talk about some of the crazy leagues that I do a little bit later on. Uh, you know, my I'm coming up with new themes for that kind of stuff. Obviously, do I need to send any trades? Do I want to try and get any picks? I mean, you know, dynasty never ends, so I'm just basically always doing something. You know, even if this is so, you know, even if like the past couple weeks have been like. Uh, in the rear view or whatever you want to call it as far as like dynasty because I, I i was at the senior bowl so like i'm not necessarily like going out of my way to send trades and stuff like that but you're always thinking about your teams thinking about stuff obviously responding to trades and doing all that yeah it's a it's good we're really getting to the fun part of the year right we're gonna do some yeah. startups we, hopefully we got an auction coming up that we can think about we're thinking about those new league ideas like John was saying, and then all the uh, potential trades that you could make. I was actually staining a large piece of wood today at my regular job. And I, I was just, tr- I was trying to remember every player on every roster I have just for a mental exercise. And that gave me some ideas <laughs> where I needed of to course. work, of course work on uh, adding players. So uh, maybe I'll get to that after the show. But first, we should get to the meat of the show. And that starts with the startup. The startup. I don't think uh, we can go any other direction than the Super Bowl, guys. And I got to say, before talking about the game specifically, it's a little bit bittersweet for me. Um, I think, Ryan, we talked about it over the weekend. It, it's kind of a sad day a little bit. There's no more football to watch. And, you know, we're going to talk about rookies and there's all the highlight films and the cutups from full game cutups and stuff. That's always fun to do. And I, I'm doing that like every day. Um, but there is no Sunday football now for a long, long time. And that's depressing for me. I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, if I, if I don't right now, I certainly will, you know, in a few weeks, we'll be, uh, we'll be longing for it. We'll be even uh, desperate for those preseason games that are yeah. uh, always, always disappointing. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, we've already talked about it on here a little bit over the past few weeks that, uh, I feel like I watched less college football this year uh, than, than maybe ever before. So, 
yeah, catching up with these prospects, it, it feels like watching new games in in some sense. So that's that's a little bit of a of a help for me at least. Yeah, you know, obviously I, I love this time of year. I love football, I love watching it, but and it's kind of bittersweet when it goes away. But at the same time, as a creator of content, a creator of dynasty tools and all that kind of stuff, it actually gives me time to do those things that I'm doing, you know, and, yeah. and focus on uh, you know, like I I I have Devi podcast. I, I I focus on Devi. I focus on college players. I do all that. I hadn't even put out my actual rookie ranks yet, you know, and I felt like I was way behind where I wanted to be. I wanted to get that stuff out like a month ago or, or even, you know, before that, um, I was happy to get that done this weekend. And that, that doesn't necessarily have to do with the, the Super Bowl per se, but it's just like in season, there's no time to do any of that. It's between, you know, setting my own leagues, helping people with their, their leagues and doing all that. Like, there's no time to, like, be focusing on, oh, like, let, let me worry about my rookie ranks and things like that. So let's talk about the football game that happened on Sunday. Of course, the Chiefs won their second straight, uh, beat the 49ers 25-22 to in overtime. It'll probably go down, John, as a as a classic and, and you know a lot of people probably think it was a great game honestly throughout the game I thought to myself this is really sloppy two of the best coach game teams in the NFL you know arguably the two best teams in the NFL at least they are because they met in the Super Bowl but there were fumbles throughout the game there were missed throws and um, seemed like the route running was poor especially for the 49ers there were times when when there just wasn't any separation. And I guess you got to give a hat tip to those uh, Kansas city defensive backs, but I was really defense or really disappointed in the offensive output throughout the game specifically. Maybe that's just because there were two great defenses on the field, but man, it was, it was a sloppy game. Yeah. I mean, I, I always appreciate like real football and it felt like real football, whether, you know, obviously there's going to be turnovers. You can call it sloppy, but you know, it, it, it was real football. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't some of the fluky things that you might see where, you know, a ball gets tipped up in the air and, and hits five different hands and then someone inter intercepts it. It was like, Hey, we knocked the ball out and, and, you know, Christian McCaffrey fumbled. And next thing you know, we have the ball. And so I, I don't really mind that, but it did really feel like a tale of two halves where it, like the first half was a little more of the sloppy, you know, you know, fumbles, turnovers, like things like that. Not obviously not a lot of offense going on. And in the second half, whether it was the defense is getting tired or whatever it might've been, all of a sudden we started seeing even, you know, the 49ers Purdy started, you know, making some pretty nice throws down the field. We started seeing them kind of stretching it out. Whereas in the first half, it was all a lot, a lot of dinks and dunks and Christian McCaffrey. We started actually seeing, you know, 20 yard bomb, maybe not bombs, but 20 yard passes, things like that. And then obviously, you know, we know that, Patrick Mahomes is always going to extend plays and do what he does. So, I, I mean, it was a tale of two halves, but honestly, I appreciated it and, and enjoyed the entire game. So I understand if you don't want to call it a classic, but I mean, I, I really enjoyed that game. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. It was it was fun to watch. I just expected more, I guess, and specifically from the 49ers, honestly. It was, you know, the, the Kansas City offense has been a little bit stuck in the mud throughout the entire season. It seems like Mahomes is holding the ball as long as he possibly can waiting for somebody to uncover. And then even when a player, a receiver does that, that guy usually drops the ball. Meanwhile, the 49ers though have so many weapons and throughout that game, it felt like they came in with a plan to use Christian McCaffrey, give him the football as much as possible. They did that in the first quarter and that tapered throughout the rest of the game until overtime when they once again, you know, used him as that 
that X factor running back and, and that guy they wanted to get the ball to a lot in the middle there. They couldn't really decide what they were. Brandon, Ayuk yeah. couldn't get the separation that we're typically seeing from him. Uh, Debo got banged up, got all those targets, but only turned 11 targets into three catches. Was it? So it, it yeah. really was a, a questionable coaching effort. I would say uh, on the part of the San Francisco offensive coaching staff and I'm sure 49ers fans saw it as well. I'm sure they're disappointed in how that game played out because it felt to me like if they would have gotten the ball to Christian McCaffrey in the in the middle of the game a little bit more, and he did end the game with 22 carries, he did catch eight passes, um, maybe they'd be Super Bowl champs. Ryan, did you have any big takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, I guess I'm kind of uh, in, in the middle of you two. I was... I, I mean, I certainly noticed the uh, the sloppy play. I mean, how could you not? But at the same time, I was I was just glad that the game was close, right? I mean, it was it was back and forth. It's it definitely felt early on. Um, you know, if you weren't really focused on the scoreboard, it felt like the 49ers were up, uh, you know, two scores, maybe even more than that. And I mean, it was one of those games we see it all the time where you just think. They're, they're letting them hang around. Right. And obviously, um, obviously that, that hurt the Niners that they couldn't put them away when they were playing so well uh, early, early in the game. And then, uh, you know, just kind of went stagnant really in the second and third quarter. I think what was late in the third quarter, the stat was Purdy had 17 passing yards in the second and third quarter combined. I, I think that was the number I saw. And that's, I mean, obviously a shocking number, uh, with with what's supposed to be one of the best offenses in the league. So, yeah, I think, uh, again, at least the game was close. We had an exciting end uh, into the game, and I didn't necessarily have a rooting interest, so I just, just tried to enjoy the game, you know. Yeah. Um, any dynasty takeaways here, Ryan? Anything you're, you, you saw on the field in Vegas on Sunday night that made you think, Wow, that that's affecting his his dynasty value either positively or negatively. I think the only one, I mean, for the most part, I feel like we saw what we expected to see from both teams. If there is one, I think it's Debo Samuel. You know, he gets hurt again. Obviously, yeah. uh, that's something that has um, hampered him and and really hampered his dynasty value throughout his career. That he always seems to be nicked up and. Maybe that's why he hasn't broken through uh, and hasn't been able to remain a consistent uh, dynasty wide receiver one. And then on the on the biggest stage there is for the NFL, he he grabs that hammy on a non-contact injury, and there's questions if he's going to be able to return. Of course, he did. Uh, clearly, wasn't uh, wasn't at 100 though. So I think he could he could maybe be a player that loses a little bit of value as a result of this and, and just that reminder that he deals with uh, injuries pretty consistently, unfortunately. Unfortunately, seems to be that guy that that's limping off the field regularly. John, anything for you? Did anybody gain or lose any value as a result of the game? Not just this game, but honestly, throughout the whole playoffs, Rasheed Rice kind of disappeared. And, you know, I feel like people were really pushing him up. You know, he's a rookie. He's tied to Patrick Mahomes. He's only going to get better. And, I mean, even as recently as today, I was looking through. I was helping my buddy Omega out with his uh, underdog. His, he does a lot of best ball drafts. And I'm going through the ranks, and 
Rasheed Rice uh, is wide receiver 12 in their ADP right now. It's absolutely yeah. insane. I don't understand it at all. And I, I mean, I was never as high on Rice as many people, but, and obviously, and he had some good games throughout the season, but I mean, he basically disappeared uh, for the most part in, in this entire uh, postseason. And so I feel like he had to at least lose something. Uh, and, you know, you, you feel like regardless, the, um, the Chiefs are going to go out of their way to bring someone else in. They have to. Like, they know they have to. They got lucky towards the end. You know, McCole Hardman actually caught a ball and all that. But, like, that's that's not the norm. I and mean, you can't trust those guys to actually do that. So I feel like they have to bring someone in. It's a, it's a uh, wide receiver-laden rookie draft. And so, you know, whether it's in the draft or in free agency, like, they're, they're going to bring someone else in. And I see that Rice being somebody that just kind of gets, like, you know, uh, drafted over, uh, brought in, somebody else brought in over him, like that kind of thing, and replaced, basically. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Kansas City does. It, it'll be also pretty interesting to see what the 49ers do. George Kittle hit 30 years old, that kind of plateau that we see in Dynasty. Disappointing game in the Super Bowl. Seemed to be nicked up also a couple times, kind of limping or hobbling to, towards the sideline. Um, even into the, even into the locker room at one point, but just two catches on three targets for four yards. Uh, you mentioned Debo also Ayuk. It seems like he needs a new contract. Purdy is going to be going into year three. He's only a year away from a new contract as well. So there's, uh, there, there's probably some slight questions going into the off season of, of how much of these, how many of these guys they can keep together, um, this, this nucleus of playmakers and with Debo, uh, limping off the field multiple times again, like Ryan said, it just, you know, dynasty managers were reminded that it's, it's hard to rely on Debo every single week. You always want him to put up points in the first quarter. Cause you never know when he's going to be leaving the field before we get to, uh, move on to, um, our next segment with John. Here's a brief note from our sponsor DraftKings and their newest product called pick six. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the guys over at DraftKings and their newest product called Pick 6. It's a pick'em style platform where you choose players to have more or less of a certain statistical category, things like passing yards, rushing yards, etc. But the twist that DK has made is it's a peer-to-peer platform. So if you're contrarian and you outsmart your opponents, the winnings can be massive. It's also available in 21 states, including some that don't even have sports betting. I'm pretty new to pick six, but I can tell you, I already love it, and I think you will too. So sign up using our link in the show notes, and you'll get a $100 no-stress first pick for new users. Check out those show notes and sign up today. Keep Dynasty weird. Yeah, our guy John, he's... He's one of the guys that are pretty good at keeping dynasty weird. Always has a good idea for a for a dynasty league or maybe a rule tweak that can uh, make make a make a average league or or ho hum league kind of weird. And we love weird leagues. So John, why don't you tell me, tell us, tell the listeners about one of the one of your more unique dynasty leagues that you have created over the years? Absolutely. Uh, so I started out with like going into the scoring because basically I kind of like looked at Scott fish scoring and, and said, yeah, I kind of like that. You know, I, I like the way that QBs were being, you know, valued or devalued you know, depending on how good they were and not just like, Oh, they're going to throw 50 yards. So they're important or 50 times. So they're important like that kind of thing. And so I went through and I actually 
made uh, negative nine points for an incomplete pass. Uh, positive 0.75 points for uh, a, a passing first down like things like that and i know it sounds crazy you know you really have to like actually like look at it look at the scoring to like really make it make sense but in the grand scheme of things it doesn't truly change the top end guys all that much but the, it's like the low end guys you're not gonna throw in a skylar thompson or something and and have him score you a bunch of points you know mm -hmm. in your super flex spot that's not going to happen. You know, you, you really, that's when you're going to have to make the decisions between, do I want this flex wide receiver or do I want to actually flex this QB that might get me negative points when it's all said and done. Uh, so that was kind of the focus with the scoring. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of get a little more realistic to like NFL terms, because if a QB is not actually helping their NFL team, I don't feel like they should necessarily be helping your you know, your team and, and your fantasy points and all that kind of stuff. But then we, we got a little crazier, a little more weird, if you will. And we made it a themed league. And so we started getting into all these different nerdy themes like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and uh, Star Wars. And now this year we're doing Top Gun, you know, so it doesn't always have to be like truly nerdy, but uh, with the Harry Potter one, I, I love this league. It was, it was the first like true themed league that I created. And I mean, we tried to make it as like real to the books, to the stories, you know, the movies, whatever, uh, as you could be. So we have the four houses, you know, Gryffindor, Slytherin, all that, all that good stuff. Um, and those are your four divisions. And then basically there's a house cup at the end of the whole shebang. Uh, the house that has the most points actually gets a, a cheaper buy-in for the next season. So cool. like, that's, that's one of the fun things for everyone gets to play for, even if they don't make the playoffs, even if they don't do you know, win the league, they could still get a, a their buy-in being $20 instead of $50. And then everyone else's buy-in goes up to $60 to cover the rest of their buy-in. So now you're more expensive the next year if you're not in that house. Um, so I kind of liked that. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it's something that it's nice when you get it. It's not as nice when you don't get it. <laughs> and then uh, with you know, with the Harry Potter theme, you know, we, we had to have bonuses. Like I didn't want it to just be like your normal, everyone's playing each other, you know, Oh, I won, you won. No, no, no. So we have three bonuses that you can use at any time in weeks one through 11, which is technically the regular season in my leagues. And, uh, the, there's a sorcerer's stone where you can designate three backup players as, um, of fill in flex. And so those, one of those three, uh, backup players, well, will actually fill in your lowest flex value uh, for the week and take over that spot. So you'll get those points instead of, you know, whoever got you like two points or whatever it is. Uh, but you have to designate those players ahead of time. Uh, there's an elder wand where you just get an extra 10 points that week, you know, so bam, you got an extra 10 points for nothing and uh, gets added to your total at the end of the week. Hopefully you win, you know, or, or don't lose as bad. Maybe you get a, um, a median win, a league medium win by doing mm. that or the invisibility cloak, which is where you designate a player and it's actually an additional flex. So you essentially get a, an oh, additional wow. player that week um, to, to use against your opponent. You only have those three. You cannot use them more than once and you can only use one per week. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's random when you decide you're going to use it against what, you know, opponents and all that kind of stuff. But I love what that brings to the table. And you have to use those, you have to make those decisions before the game that week. Yeah. Everything has to be announced before the Thursday night game. Um, and it has to be announced in the league chat. So, you know, like it's, it's all public. I'm not trying to like, I, I don't need anyone going, no, 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 I don't know. Like it, it yeah. needs to be in the league chat 
publicly stated to everyone these are my players and then you actually go in like we do all i know you guys aren't the biggest sleeper fans but we do all of our leagues on sleeper and um and so we like you, you actually go in and you change the nicknames of the players and say like this is my uh sorcerer stone player and you change oh, the three uh, okay. you know the three names and all that so it's it's very obvious and then obviously i'm the commissioner so at the end of the week, I go through and I say, okay, these are your three players. This is your flex. And then I, you know, I just swap in, you know, whoever the, the highest scoring was, was from this to the lowest scoring of that player. I hope I'm explaining it well and, and not yeah. just confusing people, but I, think you are. I mean, it, it ends up being a lot of fun. And I mean, honestly, we haven't had too many games change because of the, the bonuses, but we've had a couple and I'll tell you what, when you want to talk about like getting everyone riled up and everything in a league chat when i go through on a on a tuesday morning and i and i update and i add that 10 points and now that guy went from losing by eight to winning by two like that league chat is going insane for the next 30 minutes an hour or whatever you know i think a lot this, of our listeners are thinking to themselves right now john this sounds amazing i gotta i gotta get yeah. in one of these leagues but there's not a lot of commissioners that are going to do the the grunt work that you're talking about here. That yeah. that's a that's a big commitment that you've made to sit down every Tuesday morning and and probably throughout the week to be sure everybody's uh, minding their p's and q's and and dotting their eyes and and all those things. So um, the commitment that you've made to make this fun and everlasting and and like a unique experience ex, experience for the manager um lot you know all of us as commissioners we know it goes unnoticed you, it, it's a thankless job what what is it that made you take that next step and and make that extra commitment to create this unique format that that not everybody's going to love but the players that do absolutely have to fall in love with it and want to want to take it to the next level like they have well, I think that a lot of times when people are adding league after league after league, and we've all done it, myself included, but I feel like a lot of times it's because we're looking for a specific type of league or something that's going to be like that amazing league where everyone, every uh, manager is, you know, is, is sending trades and is active and doing all that. And, and, you know, like you drafted the players you wanted, your team's amazing, whatever. And it doesn't always happen, but I feel like this way even if like honestly like my team in harry potter is probably one of my worst teams like i, I don't know why it just happened and and um i'm i'm fighting back you know like i'm i'm feeling good this year but i've also said that in the past so who knows we'll see but you know like i don't truly care because it's such a fun league that you know like Yes, it is a lot more work for me and not every commissioner is going to do that. I would say like you don't have to have the bonuses even though it's fun. You can just have the other parts and then there's not nearly as much uh of, of an issue. You know, we still have like so there's there's if you know Harry Potter lore or whatever like there's horcruxes and you have to win them. And so in the movies, there's the seven horcruxes. So in in our league, you have to win seven horcruxes and then after you accumulate seven, you win the progressive pot. So we take, uh, we take 33% of the pot every year and we put it into a bank account. And then once you get those seven horcruxes, you win whatever that total amount is, you know, however many years it is that's beyond like keeping track of money. That's not really anything like truly extra that the commissioner is having to do, but there's little things like that, that you can still do without having to like weekly be, you know, all in or anything like that. So is everyone in the league, maybe this is a 
obvious question. Is everyone in the league a big Harry Potter fan or do they just love crazy dynasty leagues? Honestly, I mean, I think that everyone in that league is definitely knows Harry Potter. You know, like we're not like, you know, we're not going to universal and dressing up or anything like that, you know, but we're, we, we, we enjoy Harry Potter myself included. I have, I have two kids, you know, like we watch Harry Potter all the time. And I mean, I even, I read the books when, before I had kids. So, I mean, I've always appreciated it. So I feel like in that league, especially like, yeah, everyone really like appreciates it. We're always sending Harry Potter gifts and all that kind of stuff in the league chat. So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's a lot more Harry Potter themed, but then like, it just adds to the experience though. Yeah, but we have uh like we have a Lord of the Rings league and I mean there's at least a couple of guys that have literally never watched the movies. And so I mean it, it's not even like you have to be a big nerd and, or big fan of whatever that theme is. It's just right. Yeah, I mean it's it's like any other league. You 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 read the rules, you understand the rules and and you play within the rules, but it's just like you add fun things. And I mean to me it's more fun by having that knowledge of like, "Oh, I get this because of that movie." You know, like that kind of thing. So talk a little bit about your postseason and and maybe anything that that your theme works on there. And but but mainly, what's what's your schedule setup like uh, once you get to the playoffs? Yeah, so that that's actually one of my favorite parts beyond everything else. I mean, I I love most of it, but uh, the schedule setup. I feel like, and maybe it's just me, you know, because I, because I created it. But I feel like I kind of like perfected it. Um, the 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 fantasy schedule. And so basically the way that we do it now is weeks one through 11. That's your regular season. You play every other manager once. Um, so there's no doubles. There's no, like you play your division mates twice or none of that. You literally just play everyone once. Uh, it's random. So, you know, it's just whenever you play them, you play them in weeks 12 through 14, you get two different tournaments and you have the top four players, like the best four players go to the top tournament and then the next the middle four players go to the middle tournament and then the bottom four players go to the you know like the um whatever what i I can't think yeah totally bold thank you i couldn't think of it for a second um so the top tournament players are actually playing for the week 15 buy and so whoever wins that tourney actually gets a buy in week 15 there's only one in the middle tournament everyone is uh everyone's going to make the playoffs except for one so like you're actually playing to see who gets kicked out of the playoffs so essentially when it's all said and done seven people actually make the playoffs um one person gets a bye that eighth person that lost in the tourney gets kicked out he now has pick 105 so now you have your 104 or 101 through 105 set you know for the postseason or for the next season all that kind of good stuff so now in weeks 15 through 17 it's just normal playoffs there's nothing crazy um except for it's only one by so you know two plays seven three plays six and four plays five and then the next week it's just normal playoffs like you know any any other league like that kind of thing but i love the fact that you only play each other once you kind of already have everyone you know, like sorted out to like, who are the best teams. So there's none of that. Oh, I, I might be good. I might not. I'm going to wait and see, like, there's none of that. You know, you, you kind of have to determine, am I good? Am I not like that kind of thing before, uh, before the, that week 12 and, you know, sell off even earlier than that. If you don't want to make the playoffs, you really need to be selling off in like week seven, you know, you can't wait until like week 10 or something like that. So I, I love it. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Uh, but I mean, I haven't really had too many complaints or anything. Everyone seems to enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit shorter regular season because of the 11, 11 week schedule, but jamming all that 
content or fun into the postseason sounds like a blast. How about um, how about a league punishment? You got something for that, John? Yeah, absolutely. So in the toilet bowl, uh, they play from weeks twelve until week sixteen, and that's just because of the sleeper uh, the the way that their to- toilet bowl works. It's just for this with the setup I have, it ends in week 16. So that's just what we made it. Um, but basically for those, what, six weeks, uh, we have a, uh, uh, yeah, so, so we have them play and then just normal toilet bowl. And then whoever the loser is at the end of it, it ends up having to dress up as a Harry Potter character of our choice, the rest of the league's choice. And mm-hmm. they have to dress up and they have to talk with some sort of accent. I mean, just whatever they can do. I mean, obviously everyone has different talents, but they have to talk with some sort of British accent on uh, our happy hour that we do every Friday. And they have to you know, be there for at least a few hours and hang out and just, you know, fun. So nothing too crazy, you know, nothing too embarrassing. Obviously we're going to take some screenshots and, and we're going to post them in the chat and stuff like that later on. But, uh, this, you know, this will be the it, reason I'm never in this league. <laughs> I was just going to say that Ryan, Ryan's out. He, he was all in. He was, he was chilling out his, uh, yeah. form until you said that because, uh, Ryan ain't going to do it. Right. And now, so in the, in, in the Lord of the Rings league, um, we actually have where, if you know, Lord of the Rings, uh, there's a, a character named Gollum. And so like Gollum really never is able to truly get his hands on the ring, even though he's trying to the entire you know, movie your book, whatever. And, so we actually, the, that punishment is your golem in that league. So you don't have to go on, you don't have to dress up, you don't have to do anything, but the next year you can't hold the ring. And, and obviously in that league, there's different bonuses and stuff like that for holding the ring in, in season. And so the next year you just can't hold the ring. You can't get any of those good bonuses or anything like that. So there, there's other ways of doing it. You don't have to make it dressing up if people don't like doing that, but if, for Harry Potter, it just seemed like fun, you know, like have everyone dress up. Like I, you know, we always say like, Hagrid is is what we want people to dress up as you know it's like get somebody to dress up as Hagrid with the hat and you know the beard and all that and come on and you know and say like you're a wizard Harry it's like it's too perfect (laughs) well the Top Gun League sounds like fun but uh depending on on what that penalty is uh maybe Ryan and I would be would be interested uh guys we got to get to the rookie report but before we do that let's get a brief note from our sponsor Factor Meals It's tough to keep your New Year's resolutions, whether we're talking about Dynasty, you know, we've all got so many leagues already. Are we really going to join another startup? Can we have the amount of time to take on another league? Uh, I'm going to make more trades and be more active this season. You know, we got we got a lot of things going on as a Dynasty manager and uh, Factor is here to help you with some of your New Year's resolutions. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kick your, start your resolutions. So how do you get started over at Factor? You go to factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 and use code mostaccurate50 to get 50% off. That's code mostaccurate50 at factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 to get 50% off today. It's time for the Rookie Report. 
John, you're the first timer here, so uh, I'll fill you in. We try to get through a few rookies, 2024 rookies, every single week. So we wanted to bring one of the big names to the to the stage because uh, you're here. You said you were at the Senior Bowl, so you'll have to fill us in on any uh, behind-the-scenes details about any of these guys if we get the chance. That big name, though, is Rome Odunze the wide receiver from Washington, currently uh, third overall in our single quarterback ranks over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, wide receiver three. Dunze is a fun prospect to watch, and a guy standing 6'3", 215, looks so good. And Whether you're watching uh, uh, early career highlights or, or game cut-ups or this final season over at Washington, Man, he looks good. What do you like most about Roma Dunze? Well, he has that size-speed combo that we've wanted for years. Uh, maybe the NFL is kind of getting away from it, but you know, it's it's still nice to see somebody come out with that. And you know, like we we've tried to make other players work in the past, like a Quentin Johnson or something like that, and hasn't really worked out. Um, you know, I think I does I do think that he's better than that. But um, you know, but. He, there's just you can't coach six three and you know like whatever he's gonna run like probably like a four five four five five something like that which at that size and weight and everything is a great speed so you can't really coach that and it, you know the thing that jumps off to me John when I watch him play is his strength at the catch point which is which he improved on dramatically uh, throughout his college career he's he added a lot of weight and certainly looks looks bigger but he didn't sacrifice a lot of that speed. He's so good against man coverage and the body control at the catch point ability to go up and high point the pass. That's the thing that dynasty managers are going to fall in love with that ability to potentially put up double digit touchdown seasons because he can be that red zone threat. I really do feel like he uses that height to his advantage. Unlike some of those prospects that you, you, you were talking about there, he he's a big receiver that plays like a big receiver and still has the speed to stretch the field a little bit, but that ability in the red zone or potential in the red zone is what's, what's going to make him uh, one of the top potential prospects coming out this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, you see it in the touchdowns that he scored each year and everything. I mean, he's going to be a part of that red zone package. He's going to be a big part of the game. And that's why I really like Odunze for, you know, for those reasons, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see, too many like true like flaws in his game um you know but i i i don't know that he's the that he's like the route runner that maybe people want him you know to be uh, so i don't know if you wanted to get to the weaknesses uh, just yet but I, I i just that's the only the only concern i have and and when people try to bump him up into that top tier and saying like oh he's he's right there with uh, you know, MHJ and Malik Neighbors. That's when I start going, like, whoa, 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 you know, let's pump the brakes there a little bit. Like, I like Roma Dunze, I really do, and I and I want him in that first round, but I don't think I can get him into the same tier because, as as much as I love the size speed combo and all that, you know, I do have a little concerns of can he actually separate? Can he actually get open? Or is he gonna be more of that like one trick pony, maybe two trick pony? Because like you said, he's gonna be used in the red zone and the end zone packages, all that kind of stuff. So maybe like a two trick pony. Yeah. Yeah. I see where you're going with that. And you know, I question if I had to question anything, it's whether he can be that dominant alpha at the next level. I, I, I don't know that necessarily 
Um, I'm concerned that he won't be able to create some separation because I do like that, that he, he makes catches amongst defenders, right? He can make that, make that contested catch, whether that be on a crossing route or a fade. So I, I like that. I don't think he necessarily needs all that separation. I do wonder, and we saw it from time to time when defenses tried to take him away, they could. And that's with, that's with college athletes, not elite uh, NFL athletes. So, you know, when, when he faced double teams, he was taken out of the game plan from time to time. And, and that could be a sign of him being more of a number two Mike Williams wide receiver rather than a number one Keenan Allen type wide out that can get open no matter where you put him on the field or who they're playing against. Ryan, I'd like to bring you into the conversation because I've seen mocks where he goes incredibly high. I've seen other mocks where he slips a little bit farther. So when you grind these mocks, what are you seeing out there? Well, in general, he's going much higher than I expected, which I like to see because uh, I am I am a fan of the player. I mean, he's looking like a uh, nearly locked in. And again, we say this uh, we say this with a little hesitation because we're still very early in the process. Obviously, not even to the NFL Combine yet. But uh, essentially, every mock you see is going to have him uh, close to that top ten overall. Look at PFF rankings right now. He's the wide receiver three, seven overall. Mock draft database has him with those exact same rankings, seventh overall prospect based on the average of essentially all the mock drafts that are out there. So this is a guy that looks like he's going to get that elite draft capital. Um, and uh, John kind of kind of hinted at it there. Some of those mocks even have him going above Malik Neighbors, which would be, you know, even even more of a surprise. So I I don't want to paint a negative picture of Adunze because he's anybody who watches more than more than just the highlight films knows that he catches a lot of passes, he makes a lot of big plays, and and he was a big part of everything that Washington has done over the last couple seasons. His his ability to, you know, and John, you mentioned the separation. I actually see him as a very good route runner and the, and his ability to beat pre, uh, man coverage is great. The problem sometimes for him is to get off that press coverage. Really physical corners can create problems for him. And considering he's six, three and two fifteen, two twenty, you'd expect him to manhandle uh, a, a, college defensive back and you wonder if these pros will get their hands on him and create problems for him with all that said though and he's not the not the most i don't know twitchy athlete at the line of scrimmage doesn't doesn't create a lot of space uh at the snap uh right at the line of scrimmage those negatives aren't enough for me to push him down my draft board at all i i expect him to be uh the second or third wide receiver taken in most dynasty uh, rookie drafts. I think there's a chance that with that draft capital that Ryan's talking about there, maybe he does jump neighbors. Maybe he, maybe he does include his name. Uh, if he gets the right landing spot with the proper quarterback and the offense that we're excited about, I mentioned that I'm not a hundred percent sure he can be that elite, um, Justin Jefferson type of wide receiver one at the NFL level level. That doesn't mean he can't be that tier below, though, and, and can't be the guy that we start every single week as our wide receiver one on our dynasty 
uh, dynasty team. Yeah, definitely. Like, like you said, I don't want to act like I don't like Adunze at all because I, that's not true. It's just like I said, I, I get a little nervous when people start comparing him to neighbors because I mean, neighbors did what he did in the sec against sec opponents, you know, like and he did just the, like almost like the perfect season. Um, Whereas Adunze is playing in the Pac-12, you know, now not even like the defunct Pac-12, you know, and and they played some some decent defenses, especially in the playoffs. But, you know, that's another thing you have to consider when if people are, are you know, box score scouting and all that kind of stuff like they played 15 games this year. You know, so they played three, at least three games more than, you know, than a lot of other players. And so, you know, that 1500 yards in the Pac-12 on an offense that threw for 5000 plus yards isn't maybe as you know exciting or as impressive as it as it could have been if it was 12 games you know and and, and that kind of thing so like i'm once again i'm not trying to discount the player i'm perfectly fine drafting him in the first round of my rookie drafts and and you know and even as my wide receiver you know three or four whatever that is not the problem i just like i don't want to move him above anyone and i do i've been i've been seeing that a lot more on twitter recently because people are seeing the the mocks like ryan was talking about like oh he's going ahead of neighbors i gotta draft him ahead of neighbors and that's what i don't want people to do (laughs) ryan how about you where are you slotting into doomsday right now oh he's locked in as my wide receiver three um third overall player in those single quarterback leagues and uh, of course, in Superflex, we'll we'll mix in the quarterbacks, but I think he's still going to be in that uh, probably that six range overall. I think we'll see three receivers and three quarterbacks in most top six uh, picks of, of Superflex leagues. Uh, I did just have a couple other numbers, and I think I think this speaks to his versatility. I know uh, both of you guys are uh, have seen more of him as far as uh, as far as film probably than I have, but. Uh, PFF numbers, 23 deep catches and 783 deep yards. Uh, Both of those first in the nation. Also first in the nation with 21 contested catches. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just, uh, you know, beating defenders deep and and, uh, running with the ball, but uh, fighting, fighting for that ball as well. No doubt we have to get uh, Matt Price's thoughts on Adunze because he's a, he's the kind of, dynasty manager that might push a Dunze down a little bit because oh, of that lack man. of truly elite speed. We'll see what Matt says. Let's get to the next prospect on the list. It's Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver from Louisville. And John, we were originally going to talk about uh, Louisville running back Jawar Jordan a couple of weeks ago. So I got, I was getting ahead of myself, wasn't familiar with Jordan at all and continued to see Jamari Thrash make plays. Uh, both in the short and intermediate area, as well as as a deep threat. And I'm wondering what you think of him, because he seems like a a versatile wide receiver prospect. He lines up on the perimeter. You see him in the slot, see a lot of motion plays. Um, He's semi-explosive, I would say, at the very least, um, as a deep threat, and knows how to use that speed on crossing routes and after the catch. But the thing that I like the most about him is that he changes his speeds to create space well. And that wasn't something I necessarily expected to see from him. There are some negatives for sure, but Jamari Thrash looks like he could be maybe even a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. They're looking at him. I see him in mocks in round three. That could create the draft capital and potentially even a landing spot that makes us think that Thrash could be a dynasty prospect 
moving forward. And he's a guy that maybe not a lot outside of Louisville and, and that fan base knows about. Yeah, you know, he was at the Senior Bowl and people were getting pretty excited about him. Uh, you know, I will say that, you know, he was targeted quite a bit, uh, but it was a lot of shorter routes. And unfortunately, that was a, basically what happened at the Senior Bowl all week long. We didn't see too many balls being pushed down the field. You know, usually it was only in like 1v1 situations where you might see something like that. And, you know, it's really difficult to like truly judge because the, the wide receiver has the, you know, the, the upper hand and all of that stuff. They know the route. They know whatever. Um but even then, like, I don't know that I would say that he truly won anything or, you know, like was spectacular at the senior bowl. He had a fine week. I would say that. And then looking at his profile, you know, we have to remember a, he's a fifth year player. Uh, B, he is a, you know, a transfer up. So he transferred up from Georgia state, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the Sunbelt conference to the ACC at Louisville. And then he had a worse year. Now, obviously, there's other factors that go into, you know, going to things. But, you know, I like to look, was it too much for him when he, when they took the step forward? And I don't think it was too much for him. But at the same time, his best year in college is still at Georgia, you know, Georgia State. Like, that, you know, that we, that is very clear where, you know, he had almost 11 or he had over 1100 yards, seven touchdowns, like that kind of thing. Uh, he Now, he put up a good a good year this past year, but you know, they, they threw for a lot of yards. And so it wasn't like they weren't throwing or doing anything like that. My concern is his yards per reception came down. And I know yards per reception is an extremely basic stat. People kind of just like toss it out the window. Like, you know, it doesn't even matter, but I've just from years of, of stat diving, doing all that kind of stuff, I've really picked up on, you know, the, the yards per reception shows athleticism. And so I do worry about his overall athleticism translating to the NFL. It was great when he was playing in the Sunbelt Conference. He could beat those corners. He could do all that. You know, the steps up to the ACC, not quite the same, but he was still doing pretty well. And then he goes to the, you know, the Senior Bowl, and he, and he does okay. I wonder if he's going to be that player that ends up being just okay in the NFL. And that's not terrible, but, you know, you're talking about him being possibly a top 100 pick, like that kind of thing. I just wonder... If, if he does get that kind of draft capital, if he might be somebody that's kind of overvalued when it's all said and done. Well, it, it, and what you said there brings me to my next point where I just don't know if there is enough upside with Jamari Thrash to, to think that he could be an NFL team's wide receiver one. I mean, does he even fit as a wide receiver two with every single team out there and every single uh, offensive philosophy? I, I question that. So is, if he slots in as a wide receiver three, at the NFL level, how productive can that be uh, for dynasty players? I'm, I'm not, I don't want to sound too negative because th those positives do exist, but he, there are negatives as well, right? It, he drops a lot of passes, especially on contested balls. He's not a 50 50 weapon at all. In fact, he tries to, I wrote down rack before catching the ball. He's trying to turn and run with the football before he catches it. And if there's a defender in the area, it seems to clank off his hands. He also was a very late breakout, age 24 right now. So I know that's a factor for a lot of dynasty players. I, I don't think there's enough for me to want to invest a, even a relatively high rookie pick in Jamari Thrash, even if he gets that day three capital. And the expectation right now, Ryan, is probably that it's around pick 100, right? Late third round, maybe slips into the fourth round. If that happens, you know, maybe he surprises, but he's probably going to be a late second round rookie pick at best. And that's probably too expensive for me at this point. 
Yeah, I think I agree. We currently have him at 33 overall in our uh, single quarterback ranking. So we're talking about uh, more of a mid third rounder. That's yeah. Mid to late third rounder. That's where I would be comfortable with him. If he does get that day two draft capital as as you're suggesting there, then yeah, he likes likely gains value heading into rookie drafts and, and could get that bump up into the second. That's where, I would have some concerns and I really like the player. I, I disagree a little bit with what John said. I, I thought the transition uh, up to Louisville was uh, pretty impressive. Honestly, I know the numbers didn't necessarily match some of what he did at, uh, at Georgia state, but I mean, he was the top target in that Louisville offense and, and made a ton of plays. It, I, I felt like he played faster than, you know, he's probably going to run uh, later this month at the combine. But when it comes down to it, I just don't I just don't think he has any elite or really any near elite traits like he's not fast enough. He's undersized. I know we're we're going away from at least I'm trying to go away from holding uh, that smaller size against some of these wide receivers. But at the same time, if you're undersized, you better either be an awesome route runner or have elite speed. And I don't think we can say uh, I don't think we can say Thrash has either of those. And he doesn't have elite hands either, right? He he drops yeah. passes and puts them on the turf, and that's that's a question mark. How about you, John? Where are you comfortable slotting in Jamari Thrash right now in rookie rankings? <laughs> so, you know, you guys are talking about second and third round and everything. I actually have him as my wide receiver 20 right now in, in my ranks. So I'm okay. I'm pretty low on Thrash if it, if it wasn't obvious already. <laughs> It was it was obvious. I just thought I'd confirm <laughs> with that ranking. Let's get right. to our final rookie prospect. It's Ben Sinnott from uh, Kansas State, the tight end prospect, who's more of a more of a blocker. He he is a move tight end. He moves around the formation. You see him even in the slot. But John, I wonder if he can create separation against man coverage because I didn't see a lot of that at the college level. So I wonder if he's even a dynasty prospect. I didn't see much of that at, at the uh, Senior Bowl either. You know, he, he, the honestly, none of the tight ends truly stood out except for Theo Johnson um, from Penn State. Uh, for whatever reason, like you could see, he was the only one that was, like really making plays, and, uh, and everyone's like, "Oh, Theo Johnson, Theo Johnson." But uh, there was a lot of people that I even knew. I was I had a guy staying in the house with me that was a big Ben Sinat fan, and. Even, you know, I feel like he kind of came away going like, ah, you know, once again, he, he had a fine week, but nothing special, nothing stood out. And at the senior bowl, you really want to see those players like truly stand out because once again, it's like, it's dictated for the offense. Like it's, it's the, the offense should be better than the defense in these kind of, you know, schemes like the, the defenders have never played together before. There's no, you know, cohesiveness or anything like that. And, uh, you know, my biggest concern, even beyond, you know, route running, any of that kind of stuff is just is he even going to be considered a tight end? I mean, he, he's, yeah. he started out as a fullback. I mean, he's essentially more of like an H back uh, than, than anything else. And you don't see too many of those in, in the NFL anymore. And so, I mean, he's still listed as a, a, a tight end slash, or I'm sorry, a fullback slash tight end on sportsreference.com and everything. I wonder, you know, what position he's going to end up being in the NFL. I mean, he probably will be considered a tight end or at least play that tight end position. But is he just going to be blocking? Is he going to be doing, you know, more run blocking and pass blocking, doing all that? Or is he actually going to be going out and running routes? And so it's not someone that I'm I'm truly excited about. 
Well, that's where his strength lies, right? It's in the run blocking game. In fact, if you if you go on YouTube right now and type in his name, you're going to find a cut up that is all his dominant run blocks, whether it be out of the move tight end, uh, traditional inline, even as a fullback at Kansas State. So um, that's where his strength is. He's going to find his way onto an NFL team because of it. But like you said, if he's that type of player, when's the last time we had one of those types uh be productive for dynasty. Uh, m- maybe never. So <laughs> it's very rare. Chris, Chris Ryan, I, <laughs> <laughs> right? Are you are you seeing Senate is in on, in any mocks at this point? He looks like a day three prospect, most likely. Yeah, it looks like a day three guy based on the mock drafts that we're seeing, and of course now you're limiting that sample size. The the three round or the seven round mocks are still pretty rare at this point. But I mean, we're talking about a guy who's going to be drafted well outside of the top 100, uh, at least based on the early look and uh, not a top five tight end uh, based on what we're seeing. So, I mean, this is, this is not a strong tight end class. And if you're not in the top five that uh, you know, that, that says a lot. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think, I don't think Senate is a, is a, dynasty prospect at this point at all really john we uh went through these three prospects but you did mention that you were at the senior bowl any other notes for any other prospects that you want to pass along to our listeners honestly i think people are devaluing the running backs way too much um if there was anyone that truly did stand out at the senior bowl it was a lot of the running backs marshawn lloyd stood out ray davis had some ups and downs but you know he he, he looked pretty good um kamani vadal uh, i was talking about before he's probably going to be a really late round guy or possibly even undrafted but i love I, I love him as a person. I love him as a player like he's exciting if you've never actually like looked up his stats or like seen what he's done go look him up because he's an exciting player. Uh, Michael Wiley was out there and they're all showing their route running and their hands. You know, like you see these running backs running real routes and catching the ball with their hands, not, not on their body, all that kind of stuff. And that's what the NFL wants right now. So, I mean, I'm not saying that all of these guys are going to go out and be, you know, workhorse backs day one or anything like that. But you know, those are the kind of backs that, you know, all of a sudden there's an injury and next thing you know, it's like, oh, Michael Wiley's got a chance now, you know, and, and he's scoring points for your fantasy team. Those are the guys that you want to have throwing the end of your rosters in the fifth round, like that kind of stuff. So uh, I will say that, you know, that they, that the running backs really kind of stole the show for me, at least at the senior bowl. And, you know, like there's people are kind of poo-pooing the, uh, the, the running back class a little too much for, for my nature, even the higher end guys. I, I would, I really think that it's a better class than people are giving it credit. Well, with that in mind, I got to ask about my guy, Isaiah Davis, the South Dakota state running back. Any thoughts on him from your time in mobile? I mean, honestly, you know, there's kind of the same thing, you know, he was showing his route running, you know, ability and, and things like that. Um, you know, he, he, he had a solid week, I don't know that he did anything, you know, spectacular to to like truly stand out, you know, and and, like most of the running backs, it was really, you know, it was really that route running that I was able to like pick up on. And then, you know, like they weren't doing a lot of like inside runs or anything like that. So it was either you, you show that you have that receiving ability or you're kind of not able to showcase too much. You know, there was a couple of times where like Marshawn Lloyd broke through, but like they weren't tackling, you know? So it's like, well, you know, what can you really say? And then there was other times where, unfortunately, it seems like they really loaded up one of the offensive lines on the American side. 
and the defensive line on the on, on the other side, the national side. And so th- there was times where they would get together and it was like, you know, it just they, they couldn't play, you know, like they, they couldn't uh, they couldn't go anywhere. And, and the running backs would just run into a wall but there's no tackling or anything. So they're just kind of standing there. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, he's gone. You know, he, he ran for 40 yards, but it's like he didn't actually run for 40 yards. So it, it was right. really tough. But, you know, I picked up on, on, you know, like the route running, like that kind of stuff. So, John, we thank you for joining us. You got to tell our listeners where they can find you, what you're doing, what you're up to, other than uh, creating unique dynasty leagues. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to be uh, doing Top Gun. So if you're interested in weird leagues, hit me up because I'm probably going to be starting that league up here in the next week or so. Uh, I, I host a Devi pod called the Devi Devotional. I host another Devi pod called the Full Tilt Devi Podcast. You can find me on either of those uh, every other week. And then I, obviously I write for DLF as well. I just had an article recently came out about uh, JJ McCarthy. And, you know, the funny thing is, it seems like everyone kind of hates McCarthy. And the next thing you know, he's starting to get some steam. You know, people are like, oh, man, like the, the NFL is going to draft him in like the top 10, top 15 picks. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, even you, you didn't even hear too much about that. So uh, it was like perfect timing for the article, obviously putting out some more here in the very near future. But that's where you can find me. All right. Thanks, John, for joining us. For Ryan, I am Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.